Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show about the people and organizations making an impact around Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm your host, Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan, and joining us right now is the pastor of St. Luke Community United Methodist Church, Pastor Richie Butler. Richie, how you been doing, buddy? Man, I am good, Chris. It's, it's great to be with you today. It is great to be with you again. You and I go way back to your SMU football days. Let me reintroduce you to everyone <laughs> who needs to know. Way back. <laughs> way back. Yeah, you were playing football back in the Eric Dickerson days, playing a little cornerback for the ponies. Oh, uh, now that's, that's too far back, bro. Not that far Oh, right back. after that. I just remember what you did against Texas Tech. That's all I got yes, to say. Yes, okay. <laughs> that was one of those highlights forever, forever, forever. Yeah. <laughs> After you left SMU, you went on to Harvard Harvard uh, Ministry School? Divi- Divinity, Divinity School. School. Divinity School. School. Yes, yes. Went to Harvard Divinity School. Now, I'm going to talk to you about Project Unity, but more importantly, we've got to tell everybody your journey because this is so impressive. You went to Harvard Divinity School. Then you came back to Dallas, and it, one point, oh, maybe about 15, 20 years ago, you were the senior pastor at the senior pastor at St. Paul United Methodist Church, which was founded by the slaves back in the day down there near downtown in the arts district right across the street from Booker T. Washington. Can you talk about that part of your journey and how you wound up being at St. Luke following an icon who's been in the community forever? We're talking about the great Zan Holmes. Yes, yes. Well, how I ended up at at St. Paul, which is a crazy story, because I was not United Methodist. So St. Paul Paul is the oldest black United Methodist church uh, and the second oldest black church in Dallas. So rich history. Yeah, Uh, I was actually I actually started a church called Union Cathedral, which sort of I'll probably later explain uh, it's tied to project unity because everything i've done has a has a unity theme i'll just say that Mm -hmm. um but was pastoring uh union cathedral and we have been trying to buy a building in or around downtown dallas for probably three or four years and i gotten to know the bishop of united methodist church we serve on the board of trustees at smu smu together um and it was through that relationship and that conversation, and that's why relationships matter. Relationships matter. I want to stay on that point, especially when we talk about race relations. Um, and so we got to talking about the St. Paul and its struggles and challenges, and he and I uh, sort of breathe in a, uh, a vision to merge Union Cathedral, which was a 12-year-old non-denominational church, and St. Paul, which was a 141-year-old you know, Methodist Church, we merged those two churches together. So if you can imagine, um, you know, and I had no no background in, or I was not a Methodist pastor, wasn't part of the Methodist uh, Church, but we brought those two congregations together. What St. Paul needed, Union had, and that was life, youth, and, um, and forward progress. What St. Paul uh, had, Union needed, and that was a building and just a rich history. It was a, a match made in heaven, literally was made it yes. in heaven. And so turned the church around and, and gave it new life. And, you know, I, I'm convinced that probably if we had not, if God had it orchestrated that, that I don't know if St. Paul would, I mean, I, God would have found another way for it to survive because it survived a long time, but it definitely gave it a new life. And so excited about that. And then the bishop called me in the middle of the pandemic and said, I want you to, consider becoming a pastor at uh, St. Luke. And I'm, I, my first response to him was, 
I'm good at St. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, we had made, we're making progress. Um, but, you know, I prayed about it, and my wife and I spent a lot of time and decided, okay, maybe this is the right move for us. And it really was. Even in the midst, I, w- I was questioning why in the middle of a pandemic, but I, I truly realized uh, that this was the, the right time and the right move, and and we are excited about the work we're doing in St. St. Luke. Case in point, you know, we, we rented out Clyde Warren Park for Easter, and we hosted our Easter service this year at Clyde Warren Park. We called it Easter in the Park, and it was the first time that I literally had a chance to – you know, worship with the members in person mm-hmm. and for all of us to come together. But also it was just, it was transformative for the church, you know, because think about it, Clyde Warren Park is a destination and yes. things happen at Clyde Warren Park. And so, you know, the fact that we took over the park for Easter um, and transformed it and, and it just represents what the the work that God is calling St. Luke to do, and that is be a transform, transformative agent for this community. We're talking with Richie Butler. He is the pastor of St. Luke Community United Methodist Church. I got to say this again because Zan Holmes is such a legend. He is a legendary pastor, internationally known. Did you have any hesitation saying, oh, my goodness, these are big shoes to fill? (laughs) You know, I I think, no, I I did not. I actually, I talked to Pastor Holmes and I talked to, you know, several other other individuals as I was processing this. And, you know, I guess I'm at a stage in my journey where I'm really comfortable in my skin and who I am. And so all I can do is be me. I'm not trying to be Zan. And the good news that I've said, I've worked and said at Zan's feet. So we work together. You know, we did a housing development project called Unity Estates. I I put that deal together. Zan was the president of the the African-American Pastors Coalition you know, who sponsored the project. So, so I, you know, I, I know, know Zan and we have just a great comfort level and relationship. So there was never any concern from that vantage point. I'm, I'm, I am comfortable in, in knowing who I am and what God has called me to do. And that's my focus. Well, we're glad you're doing what you're doing and you're doing it in such an outstanding way. Are you, you're 50, right? You're only 50. I turned 50 on, t- uh, yeah, I, I just turned 50. Look yes. out. Yes. Look out. Yes. I'm telling you the best is yet to come because you are just <laughs> hitting your stride right here. Let's let's talk about some of the things that you've been doing in the community with Project Unity. For those who don't know, I think you started Project Unity in 2014. You got it. Yes, yes. And Most te- people think it's 2016, but yeah, 2014. 2014. Tell me what was the impetus? What made you want to start it and where it's going right now? And then we'll talk about some of the together stuff, the together we stuff. Yeah. So, so in 2014, literally, literally a month after we merged Union Cathedral, the church I started in St. Paul, we hosted a town hall meeting at our church. I had the DA, um, Craig Watkins at the time, David Brown, who was the sheriff, and Lu- uh, the chief of police, and Lupe Valdez, who was the sheriff, all at our church. And this was in response to what was going on in Ferguson, Missouri, with Michael Brown. And as you know, that I think that, you know, just created a groundswell of protest and conversation and, and concern around, you know, community and policing. And we had a full house and it was a diverse group of people. One of the, but one of the things that was clearly resonating in our space at this town hall meeting was anger, mistrust, fear, anxiety, every negative emotion you don't want present was present there. And it was out of that moment of, of all that anxiety and concern that vision for Project Unity was birthed to be a bridge builder, to represent a bridge, whether it was between community and law enforcement, uh, black and white, you know, north and south, uh, rich and poor, whatever it is. And so really under four pillars, and that was community building, dialogue, education, and empowerment, the pillars that community that uh, Project Unity was founded on. And so we launched Project Unity, and, and our first e- First event, which you were you were part of, and and I'll throw a shout out to uh, offer uh, Sergeant uh, Sheldon Smith, who's also another Kappa man. So, yes, mm-hmm. um, Sheldon and I vision uh, a com- an event to bring law enforcement and community together, and that's what we came up with. Together, we ball pastors, police, community, basketball game because 
recognizing, and as a pastor, it is it's an unfortunate reality. Sports, I mean, church, religion does not always bring us, rarely does it bring us together, unfortunately, but sports does. We rally around our sports team. And you know that, Chris, and you've been in the business yes. a long time. Sports has a way of galvanizing, getting people to come together that would not, would, would not even want to have a conversation with each other. Right. It, so, it actually opens the door to conversations that you yeah. might not have when you see somebody with a Cowboys jersey on and you go, hey, how about them Cowboys? Right. And next thing you know, yeah. you're having a conversation with someone you would never have a conversation never. with. Yeah. And, and even if you're not on the same team, the fact that you, you, you know, engage in football or, or you know you you know there's a rivalry you yeah talk about it in, in fun and and talk about why your team is going to win and why the other team is not going to win i mean it just it has that power and so and you've seen it at our together we ball event where it really does i mean people who, who may have issues with law enforcement you know you know they're not in their 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 police uniform, they're right. in the game uniform, and, exactly. and other community leaders in, in the same uniform. So we're really all on the same team at the end of the day. In fact, Project Unity, like you said, you're trying to found something based in law enforcement, education, sports, under a justice and unity banner, and, and basically start these conversations. And I want to go back to um, the police shootings at the parade, because that galvanized all of Basically, it galvanized all of Dallas, but bigger Texas, the United States, because in light of the police officers who lost their lives in the shooting, Dallas hashtag strong became huge. And people felt like around the country, Dallas handled their situation right. And in fact, I think um, with the for the funeral, the the services, uh, uh, former presidents Obama, former presidents George W. Bush. They were all there um, yeah. with the mayor and, and, and Chief Brown. And, I mean, it's like everybody was all together. Can you talk about the things that you were doing then? Because that's when I watched you work, and I was so impressed with all the things you did. Yeah, yeah. Well, well you know, we had, we had started our Together We Ball in 2015. And then 2016, we actually started a program called Together We Learn. Uh, which is an educational program between law enforcement and community. And it's literally today, there's a, a law in the state of Texas that requires uh, students who are getting their driver's license uh, to be trained on interacting with law enforcement. And also part of that law requires law enforcement when they go back to get certified uh, for their firearms to get uh, some training and educated, education around engagement with community. Unfortunately, all laws are not funded. So, we continue to, to raise money to try to make sure this programming uh, is enacted, uh, the law is enacted and, and serves a purpose. But I say all that because, um, you know, when the, the five police officers were, were killed, you're right, our city came together. Yes. I mean, it I, didn't people, it didn't blow up. It came no, together. No, no. People came together. And, and I think um, but one of the things that, that kept resonating for me was, you know, how do we take this moment of unity and make it into a movement. And so, again, <laughs> an idea like let's let's launch the Year of Unity. Mm-hmm. And so, so literally, what we thought about was in 2017 we would launch the Year of Unity. And but prior to that, right after the events of of, uh, of the, the five officers being being killed, you know, we partnered with you guys, the the, the Mavericks, yeah. Mark Cuban, the American Airlines Center, and did a. Um, did an event at the AA Center and had a great time for students and, and families just to come to get uh, a day of healing is what I think we called it. Yes. And that was powerful, but that was part of the impetus that was building momentum toward what we call the year of unity. And I was able to get President Bush to be the honorary chair. Yes. So, you know, he is, he's a statesman and well-respected and is a resident of Dallas. So it was natural. Mayor Mike Rollins, uh, we, we had... Uh, Michelle Carter, Olympic gold medalist. Uh, we had a community leader, Mike Sorrell. We had Arcelia Costa. Uh, we, we, we had Mike Hinojosa and a bunch of others as honorary co-chairs. And then we had ambassadors from, from the likes of a SMU, AT&T, you know, to a Bobby Lyle, an individual, to churches, to other corporations, community groups, all a part of this uh, year of unity. And then we launched it. And what we decided to do was to play on our tag together. We, and so that's where we came up with the idea for our together. We dine where we bring people together 
to have safe and courageous conversations around race. And that was in partnership with the Dallas Bar Association. And then we launched our Together We Pray, Together We Worship. We had churches do uh, pulpit swaps um, in partnership with a group that was already doing that, doing that work. We had Together We in Art, Together We Sing, launched our concert series. We also did Together We Serve, where we focused on bringing the community together to volunteer. And so we had a probably seven, eight to nine Together We programs in, 20, in, in uh, 2017. And, and what we realized probably a couple of months into this, that it wasn't a year of unity. This was the making of a movement and it had to go beyond just a year, but it was just a galvanizing force. And let me also say this, Chris, and it's hard to fathom, we did this solely on volunteers. We did not have a full-time staff wow. person that helped to activate. And I throw out, that's my shout out to Charlene Demby. Oh yeah. I love her to death. Mm-hmm. She makes things happen. I, I have a crazy idea. Charlene's like, no. And then she goes and figures out how we get it done. <laughs> yeah. She's awesome. And, and again, all of those programs are outstanding. Let's go back to the together. We bought, um, I was honored that you asked me to MC those events every year. Um, yeah. you, you'd have these basketball games and all the kids were there but they got to see police officers, uh, local officials, and you would always start it off with um, high school kids uh, from the different yeah. schools playing each other, too. So it was just a, a, a real fun time. And can you talk about, again, how that thing has grown and grown and grown? Because first there was SMU participation, then the Dallas Mavericks participated, but you had always the different community groups and people, like you said, the kids got to see the police officers just not in uniform. They could root or cheer for them or they could boo them, but they're all mixed in with all the first responders. Yes, yes. And, and that's the thing, too. You don't know who's police, who's the community leader, who's a clergy, <laughs> who's yeah. what. Um, you know, once they're on the field, because they're all, I mean, on the court, everyone has you know, same uniforms on, maybe if you're on opposite sides, different, you know, different colors. Uh, but it's such a, it was such a powerful e- event the first year. And I'll, I'll say this, I had one of the volunteer refs who still does it to this day. After that game, he came up to me and said, I want to thank you for organizing this because I really have issues with law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, but this has helped to change my attitude about them. Uh, because again, it humanized them. And my hope and consideration that it also allows for law enforcement to see the the community in a different light, and it humanized community members and representatives. And you know, and I always start with the big picture in mind, Chris. And as you and I have talked about it, part of the vision was not just that this would be a Dallas event, but that was part of the hope that we could get the Mavericks involved because this could be a a national program where where there is an NBA team, there could be a Together We Ball event. Just imagine that. So in a place like a Chicago where we know they've had, they've had some real issues in, in other locations, to, to leverage against sports and, and one of the, the great galvanizing you know, sports uh, entities, the NBA, uh, to come to help bring communities get together you know, to, mm-hmm. to, to play ball. And it sounds simple, but man, you know, just getting us together, Kim, is one of the most challenging things. But we're able to we're able to do that. And and to your point around the the event itself, we had the exhibition game where you literally have high school talent from all over North Texas, from its, whether it's Crowley to to Richardson to Highland Park to you know Madison High School to South Oak Cliff. These athletes come, and that's the exhibition. And she, let's be real, that game is probably better than the well, the, the police and community. <laughs> game. It is. It's like the ballers. it's it's a hard act to follow. Put it like that. You got some really great yeah. young competition, and then you have the the old heads, but they all that's have like fun. That. Yes, yeah, everyone has a has a and then you notice at the end if if it's uh if it's close it gets competitive and people their competitive juices kick in and it's just a great 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 event. I'll say this, when, when we were first visioning it, uh two two points when we were first visioning it, um we were trying to decide is it police versus, you know, pastors community. Mm-hmm. And we said no, it's police and community pastors basketball because we're it's not a it's not us versus them we're in this together and then we decided it wasn't going to we weren't going to pair 
you know, set the teams up where the police would be on one team and the community right. pastors would be one team. We said we're going we gonna to do an old school, just a draft. Right. Where you got the coaches and they're going to go pick players. It doesn't matter who. It, you don't know if they're police or community leader. And so it just it made it more fun. And it also just reaffirmed the importance of us coming together. But also the fact that we have to think about how, how we even thought, thought about it being just verses. Uh-huh. And that's not the, that wasn't the message, but we would have messed up the whole meaning behind yes. the event if we had got stuck on us versus them. Correct. And then the other, the other thing I learned is when Sheldon and I were out promoting this to law enforcement, and this is very important, we were promoting it to law enforcement. We actually had a, a call with the national police officer groups uh, around the country. So the Paternal Order and the, the National Black Police Officers, the National Asian, the National Hispanic, all the national organizations. And do you not know, that was the first time that the leadership from those organizations had actually come together for a conversation. Wow. Wow, that's impressive. And what does that say when the police don't come together? Exactly. Which means that there's so much work that we have to do to, to just get us in the same room to break down those barriers that that divide us. And you know what? It just shows us the right opportunity, the right idea, and it, it, it really transcends so many things. Like I said, it, it humanizes everyone involved, and it's all about understanding each other. On a lighter note, I just didn't realize there were so many youth ministers in this area. They were all on the basketball court. They were representing their churches. I was like, look at this. I know you're not yeah, the senior yeah. pastor, but they were out there representing. Well, well, the senior pastors are smart. They're like, I can't get on the court. So I'm going to make sure my talented <laughs> will represent our church. <laughs> we're talking to Pastor Richie Butler. He is the pastor of St. Luke Community Unity, uh, United Methodist Church. And again, you are the uh, founder of the Project Unity and all the different things that together we do including the weather the together we dine. Can you talk about that series of conversations? Because I think it's so important. I had, it, I had the pleasure. You guys invited me to a couple of conversations. One of them was at uh, Highland Park United Methodist Church. And I was so impressed with how everybody thought they would be awkward about what they were asking about. And by the time the casual dinner was over, everybody was pretty much understanding each side of the opinions. Yes, yes. So, so again, you know, Together We Dine was was uh, formed and, and started uh, in 2017 when we had the Year of Unity in partnership with the Dallas Bar Association. And so I give uh, kudos to Rob Crane, who was the president of the bar at that time, that year. And, and I want you to know, I think everything has some divine ordering because Rob's commitment, he, Rob and I met uh, started talking in 2016 and wanted to do some work together. He knew he was going to be the president of the bar that year. And we didn't know 20, the police officers, you know, killing would happen and, and, mm-hmm. the, and, and the year of unity would, would take shape. But it was the right format for the bar lawyers who, who oftentimes we think about they're not, they're not just attorneys, they're legal counsel. So they know how to sort of help counsel people through tough matters. And so, and partner, partnering with them, we wanted to help create a forum where people could have, you know, conversation on a tough subject called race, which we never talk about. But it is it is a cancer that if we don't address, will continue to eat at us and and could ultimately destroy us in some way, has, has and can destroy us. So, so we got to ta- tackle it and attack it in a productive way. And that's what Together We Dine is. It gives people a chance to have a courageous conversation around race. And what it does is, you know, we'll have 150, 200 people in a, you know, in a great room and we'll break them up into, into, you know, tables of six or seven. And you'll have a facilitator at that table and each person will get a question. And when you get your question, you read that question and then everyone else's job at that table, when you're responding to the question you receive is, simply to listen. It, this is about being in an exercise and a posture of listening. It's mm-hmm. a listening exercise. And think about this, Chris. Most of us are not very good listeners because <laughs> we already have our opinion. We want to say something. We want to respond. But we, in, in, but we also have to realize that the same letters that create the word listen also form the word silent. And so what I want people to understand is I want you to silent your p- opinion, your attitude, and just listen to where this person is coming from and their humanity that's in, in, 
a part of their response to the question. And so some question, one question may be, when was your first encounter with racism? Or what, how was race discussed in your home growing up? And how are you discussing it with your kids if you have children? And, and so they're introspective questions, questions that are generic, general, but questions that get us to think and reflect on our own story. And so by, to your point, by the time you finish that encounter, you know, one, people sometimes in tears, people feel a sense of relief that, man, I can, maybe I can engage in this work or engage in this conversation. Uh, or there are relationships that are being formed or shaped or molded because of your time spent. I literally have people who now travel together because they have participated in a Together We Dine. Nice. And these are people who are black, white. They come from different parts of our community and city uh, and region. But, man, they have had such an experience. And we have now had two Together We Dine with uh, our legislati- legislative members down in Austin. So during this pandemic, we've had a dine. And prior to the pandemic, we had the last legislative session. They've had a dine where we bring the legislative members. And we literally have uh, a Republican representative, uh, Morgan Meyer, uh, mm-hmm. who's here in Dallas, uh, Dallas, and then also Retta Bowers, who, uh, re- who's a representative in this region. They are the co-sponsors, and they bring our legislative members together. So it is a way to literally bring different sides together. Another way we've done it is we have it together. We dine between the police and gang members. The Crips and Bloods and police came together for it. Together we dine. Awesome. And that was surreal. Uh, but it is a – because, again, not only the sports bring us together, but food can get people at the table to have conversation. And we're, we are trying to leverage every known resource to humanity to get humanity to recognize humanity. You've been doing outstanding work with this. Were there ever any moments where you were frustrated saying this doesn't seem to be going anywhere? You know, I think with anything, there is there are moments where you're like, oh, Lord, I'm – do I need to be doing this or you get tired? Yeah. Uh, but, but, but I'll say two things. There, there's a lady who was my music teacher back in Austin, Texas, where I grew up. She used to have this comment, I'm not tired of it. I'm just tired in it, <laughs> which means that <laughs> this is a calling. Um, uh, and also, Chris, I believe this is my legacy. And, 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 and I'll, I'll back up and make this point. The first, you know, I also had, you know, had a career in real estate. So the the first, my first real estate development deal was called Unity Estates, and that that was literally like 1999. The church I started was Union Cathedral in 2002. I merged Union Cathedral and St. Paul in 2014. That's the same year we started Project Unity, and in 2017, we did the Year of Unity, and now we have all these together. We So, yes, I may get tired. I may get discouraged. But if there is a theme to my journey, and it's around unity. So this this is just the work I've been called to do. It's very natural. What country do we live in? The United States. States of, it's, of unity. America, yes. it's, it's unity. It's uh, yes, unity. Richie, yes. Richie uh, recently I've seen some Together We Can bracelets. Tell us about Together We Can. Oh, yes, yes. Again, I tell people, if you see Together We Jump, Fly, or or uh, Surf, it's probably a Project Unity sponsor. <laughs> um, so when George Floyd, Floyd was murdered in uh, uh, 2020, you know, if, if, especially if you're an African-American, you probably got a call from your white friend or colleague saying, what can I do? And so as a result of that question, we decided to launch Together We Can to address and answer that question, to give people a way to lean in in, in, a, in, a, in an easy, um, in a reflective, in a educational, in a growth kind of way. to Because uh, it really is focused, Together We Can is focused on fostering a lifestyle and a mindfulness around being anti-racist. And, and so there are three things that we ask people to do, and, and they're not hard or difficult things, but ways in which people, you know, the, an average individual, you don't have to be the CEO, you don't have to be a clergy, you don't have to be running something to be part of this. So one is to wear the bracelet. And the bracelet 
says several things. It says, I'm not silent on the issue of race. It says, I want to be part of the solution. It doesn't mean that you have the answer, but you want to be part of something that is transformational. And then it also is an accountability piece. It says that, that I'm holding myself accountable when it comes to anti-racism. It also says that I'm, I want to, we want to hold each other accountable on this matter. And we are, we literally have a partnership with Albert, uh, with Albertson Tom Thumb. So in North Texas, if, in Dallas County, if you go to a, a Tom Thumb store, you can buy a, a Together We Can bracelet. And what's also cool about our Together We Can bracelet is it is the packaging is being done by Austin Street Shelter, oh, Austin C nice. Center. Mm-hmm. So 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 you're not just uh, you get it. It's a double bottom line purchase when you buy a bracelet. You are supporting the work of Austin Street and helping to get people out out out, out of the homeless. Space mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully moving them into a uh, a normalized life, and it's also addressing the issue of race. Uh, so the second thing that we ask people to do as a part of the CAN program, and that is to participate in one of our Together We Dine. And man, we have companies from Toyota to NTT Data. We have organizations like the Collin County Business Alliance uh, to Jackson Walker uh, to Haynes and Boone corporations, law firms, mm-hmm. universe, SMU's been part of our dying program or a part of our, you know, participating in, in our can, you know, Rick Hart, the athletic director, he actually hosted our first together. We dying virtual uh, because uh, in response to George Floyd's murder, he said, I'm bringing my entire staff, our coaching staff, administration and the athletic department. And we're going to have a conversation. And he forced us to figure out how we do this virtual I thank Rick for his for his leadership uh, then and, and still today. And so inviting people to be part of our Together We Dine program, that's the second piece of our can. And then the last piece, which is probably the most significant, and that is this one hour per month. We have a, uh, we have a monthly action item that we ask people to engage in. And so each month, Project Unity will send out uh, a communications, and it may be um, like the first one we sent out back last uh, November was the question, uh, who was the Declaration of Independence intended for when it said that all men were created equal? And and so it forces us to wrestle with the question, was it intended for just white men who, who own property? Or was it intended for women? Was it intended for people of color? And, and, and that wrestling, and then we have a slate of we you'll have a slate of of uh, essays to videos to podcast conversations and it really is to force you to be introspective and reflect and think and to help us be more educated on issues around around race and so each month we offer that because if you think about it it is great to do it together we dine it, it, it's great to wear the bracelet but it's that one hour per month that will begin to change us all when we dig in introspectively and reflectively. So, so that's the together we can, and we've got great response. Again, we have companies like an Ambesco who has committed to being part of our together. We can initiative. And what I'm realizing is it becomes a DEI uh, program or vehicle for organizations and companies to leverage, to help, you know, engage their employees because, especially with our Together We Dine, it is not just a, um, you know, where someone's coming in to lecture you. Right. This is a chance for people to engage each other in authentic, genuine conversation that is, that, is, that, that, that makes someone, that gives them a sense of safety where they can be authentic and real in this space. You know, and that's so important. Communication is so huge. And I always say this when I'm speaking to kids in particular, there's power in knowledge. And the more you know, the better educated you are to have opinions or or have thoughts or have a better understanding. And I think having understanding is what Project Unity is all about. Yes, we we are, man. And and, and I believe if if, um, I recently gave a a keynote at an event and I talked about three three R's. I said when we we grew up as kids, there were the three R's, which is crazy because they – uh, because they don't start with R, but you know, you're writing, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I said, I, I think if we're going to really overcome the issues that divide us, race and, and you name other issues, we, we got to introduce radius. We, we, we have to inter- introduce relationship and, 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 and recognizing that, that we, 
we got to be in the same radius because somehow we have, you know, disconnected from each other. And and when you're in radius with someone, um, you know, you you can you can then engage in a place of under understanding and learning. And then the other R uh, is reason. And, and that's where, you, as you just talked about, you know, the more you learn, the, the better your understanding around matters and people, because a lot of our understanding is based on third hand, fourth hand, or no hand knowledge. It's yeah. still about another people, another, and we can easily otherize a whole population of people and individuals because we don't know, and it leads us to this place of relationship with people. And ultimately, that's where we want to be, because when you think about this and you know this, Chris, when you're in relationship with someone, it is hard to demonize somebody you're in. Relationship right. with. It is hard to be mean to them. It's, it is hard to, to hate them when you're in relationship mm-hmm. with people. But it is also easier to take risk when you're in relationship with someone. You will make an investment in someone when you know them. But if you don't know, man, it's hard to make that investment. Richie Butler. Pastor Richie Butler, before we let you get out of here, for anyone who wants to partner with Project Unity, want to be a volunteer or actually just learn more, is there a website? Is there some information you want to leave with us? Yes, yes. They can go to uh, projectunity.net, projectunity.net. Or if they want to learn about our Together We Can program, they can go to to, uh, togetherwecan.one. So projectunity.net or togetherwecan.one. Pastor Richie Butler, it's always a pleasure. I'm always there for you, as you know. Uh, I appreciate you, bro. And congratulations with St. Luke Community United Methodist Church. You're going into your second year there. And and I also wanted to say this. Anytime we want to have you back on, we've got to catch up with you again because your message is so important, especially nowadays when everyone needs more understanding. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for all that you do, man. You know it. Pastor Richie Butler. And joining us right now is a Hall of Famer. She really needs no introduction, but I will introduce you and reintroduce you to the amazing Basketball Hall of Famer, Nancy Lieberman. How are you doing, Nancy? I am awesome. How are you doing, Chris? I am doing great, and you and I go way back. We both came to Dallas at the exact same time, and we've been friends ever since. And I'm always impressed at how many different things you've been doing over the years to help other people with the Nancy Lieberman Foundation and all the things you do? Well, so many people helped me, you know, prior to me getting to Dallas. You know, as a young kid growing up in New York, uh, strangers helped me. They changed my life. And here you are, like I said, continuing to do all these great things for all these different people. Let's talk about what's coming up later today. As a matter of fact, at North Park Mall, can you talk about the Shop with a Cop event? So, Chris, remember when we were young, and, and for those listening, Chris and I were young at one point in our lives. <laughs> yeah. But school would get out, and we would always, I know I would always talk to my friends, and we'd go, you know, what, what kind of kicks are you getting? What kind of sneakers are you getting for the summer? So we used to call them summer kicks. And we decided to implement that at the charities, at Nancy Lehman Charities, because kids, summer is a time for them to be free, have fun, enjoy themselves. And then we wanted to tie it into a community aspect. So it's Summer Kicks, Shop with a Cop. And our friends at Under Armour, they joined us the last couple of years. And we're going to have 75 kids uh, today at North Park Mall at the Under Armour store from 10 to 12. And we have about 20 police officers from all over. It's from Fort Worth, from Grand Prairie, from Dallas, Richardson, uh, Plano, if I'm missing a a community, Irving, Carrollton, motorcycle cops, uh, bicycle cops, you know, forensic people, uh, Chief Garcia, the new new chief of police for Dallas. And we, we match the kids up with officers, and every kid that comes today is getting $250 um, Under Armour gift cards. So can you imagine, you know, being with an officer and going, Officer Garcia, what color shirt should I match my Steph Curry shoes to? And there's communication, there's love, there's kindness, there's this, this trust and bond, and that's what we're looking to do right now is continue to, you know, just share the message of unity and police and kids and communities and families and um, 
you know, the, the police officers are human beings, too. You know, they're mm-hmm. brothers and sisters. They have dogs and cats and aunts and uncles. And we want to humanize them, not just as police men and women, but as, as people in your community. And the kids have a great time. And, you know, uh, Tommy Diwa on our board, uh, you know, with Diwa Food, he's going to feed everybody. We're going to have a good time. Let me tell you something. I think this is so wonderful, and this is a continuation of some of the things you've been doing. I think it's wonderful because on a lot of levels, it's just about people getting to know each other as, like you said, human beings. A lot of times uh, police who are policing in different neighborhoods, they're just staying in their cars. So you mentioned how it humanizes the police officers for the kids and for the communities. But it also means a lot to the police officers because the police officers can get to know some of the individuals they're working with. Chris, you're, you're spot on. And that's what, that's what we're trying to do. I mean, we can't look back at some of the things that have happened, but we can look forward and try to build bonds and relationships. And, you know, like even our friends, uh, we try to bring, you know, a lot of people together. We want to be on a super team of, of givers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my friends at BSN Sports, they have committed to giving us 500 outdoor basketballs, and we're going to give them to the police, and they're going to put those balls in the trunks of uh, their cars, and if they see kids on a park, and it doesn't have to be a dream court. It could be any park, and they're going to give basketballs to the kids and shoot with them and talk to them, and here's my card, you know, if mom or dad ever need anything. You know, drip, drip, pour, pour. Again, lead with love, lead with kindness, communication, and respect. And we just want to be a small part of doing something right. You've been a part of everything we've done. You know how we we roll Mm -hmm. here. So, you know, you mentioned the Dream Course. For those who aren't familiar, can you talk about how, you know, the foundation has been, along with different partners, creating basketball courts in all kinds of communities around the country. I, I think that's so significant because that's where a lot of kids play and you partner with different groups along with police officers and police departments as well. Yeah, you know, the, the Dream Court program started because that when I was growing up as a kid and I was being bullied and profiled, you know, a little mm-hmm. white, you know, Jewish girl playing ball in New York, you know, with, with black kids on a park. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Well, what, well because they're my friends mm-hmm. and this is what we do. And I was lucky enough, lucky enough to be strong enough, you know, within me to say, I don't really care what you say. I'm going to be around the people that I feel comfortable around, even if they don't look like me, because there's a lot of trust and a lot of belief going on here. So the dream court became, it was my dream to be on a court because I felt safe, loved, and protected. And that's the same thing that we do now. And we have 100 courts open around the country, 4.2 million kids are playing on them. And, Chris, you know what's happened over the last 10 years is our dream courts have become pop-up classrooms. Wow. I was the kid growing up in New York, and I'm just being transparent with, you know, your, your, your listeners. I was told I was stupid and dumb and never going to make anything of myself so often. You know, words become things. This is what's so impressive and amazing. I'm going to throw a number at you, Nancy. You may be aware of because you keep up with everything. But you may not, and I know our listeners are probably going to go slackjaw. Your organization is currently serving over 4.2 million children across the country. It's crazy, right? It's crazy. Over all of these years, quietly and methodically, you've been reaching out and you've been helping so many kids in so many communities. Again, a tip of the cap. I mean, it's it's absolutely wonderful. I know you're doing this out of the bottom of your heart because you love doing it. Nobody does stuff like this unless they actually love doing it because it's not you're not getting paid to do it. I am not, and but again, you know, I had when I was like one of these kids, you know, with with no father and no food and and no electricity in my you know my youth, you know, growing up in New York, and I was scared and I was angry. Um, I didn't really know what to do, but it was. You know, as you know very well, having become friends with Muhammad Ali at 19, mm-hmm. I I just got my whole world rocked with this man teaching me about philanthropy and giving and kindness and love. And 
you know, it, it resonates every day with me. There's two people in the world. There's givers and then there's takers. And I ask you, you know, which one are you? Um, we have given almost $7 million cold hard cash. It's absolutely amazing. So let me give you your props again. For those who don't know, we're talking with Basketball Hall of Famer Nancy Lieberman. Not only was she a collegiate All-American, not only was she an Olympian, not only was she a professional basketball player uh, in the first W Women's Basketball League, the WBL. That's where I first met you. You were playing with the Dallas Diamonds. You've also mm-hmm. – huh, it's hard to talk about you. So, so let me talk about you for you because it's hard to talk about yourself. <laughs> and I might leave something out. But you also played basketball against men uh, in the USBL. And I want to say that you played basketball with some boxers too, didn't you? Or at least one big-time famous boxer who was playing basketball who was an excellent boxer, boxer and basketball world, uh, a champion. Who am I thinking about here? Are you talking about – Tyson? Mike Tyson? No, he played basketball with you in the USFBL back in the day. Um, Roy Jones Jr. Yeah, Roy was a little <laughs> bit after me. The USBL, for, for listeners, is the equivalent of the NBA G League. Yes, and so you in played in that. You I played two years. Yes, the, against the guys. Years. Against the guys. I find that absolutely amazing. That, my brother, before in 1980, matter of fact, I just had this conversation with Jeannie Buss uh, three weeks ago at the uh, Hall of Fame enshrinement. Mm-hmm. Is I played for the Lakers in 1980. Uh, Jerry West and Jerry Buss called me and said, we want you to come play summer league. And the head coach of the Lakers that summer was Pat Riley. You've got amazing stories. I'm going to tell some more on you. Um, you were... Uh, was one of the original uh, basketball players in the WNBA. In fact, you were a coach in the WNBA. I'm not going to go into your TV work yet because I'm going to stick with the WNBA for a minute. You made history by being the oldest player ever to play basketball in the WNBA when you came out of retirement and played at the age of 50. Who talked you into playing at the age of 50? And let's go ahead and give him his props. Well, first, let me say, in 97, 25 years ago, uh, I played for the Phoenix Mercury, and I was 39. So I was the oldest player then. Mm. And then in 2008, uh, Bill Lambeer saw me doing something (laughs) at the All-Star Game. I was demonstrating the skills contest uh, prior to the game. And he goes, when do you turn 50? And I said, July 1st. He goes, let's make history. And I was like, are you serious? And I knew I was going to play. I just didn't know when. And, um, you know, I ran it by my agent, Deion Sanders. (laughs) (laughs) Prime time. I'm like, D, Bill wants me to play. He's like, he calls me fancy. He goes, fancy, you got to do this. You got to do this. And I was like, okay. And so I I knew I was going to play, so I was in shape. Yeah. But it was one of the coolest things I ever did. And you want to know what – Bill Lambeer allowing me to do that changed everything because the next the next day I ended up going to um, L.A. to do the Laker game with Van Gundy and um, Mark Jackson, mm-hmm. and I'm walking down the hall, and Kobe Bryant goes, Nancy, Nancy, come here for a minute. I'm like, hi. He goes, Nancy, Vanessa and my daughter watched you play, you know, Natalia. I go, really? And he goes, you got a few minutes? And I go, yeah. He says, come here. So we sit down in a room. This man was the MVP of the league and just won another championship. And he was asking a 50-year-old white woman, like I was Michael Jordan, like, how would you feel? What would you eat? Did you hurt? Picking your brain. Reputation on the line. He would, I felt like I was in a think tank. And he just wanted to know. He wanted to know why I did what I did and how I did what I did. That's Kobe, man. It was that is Kobe. crazy. I just miss him and adore him. And um, that was, uh, as I look back now, you know, he was just taking information and putting it in his bank mm-hmm. of knowledge because he respected everybody. And, uh, hey, let me tell you something. Um, we just found out yesterday we're doing the Mamba and Mambasita Dream Court in Newport Beach for Vanessa. 
Oh, that's awesome. We're going to do two courts side by side for their foundation. That is awesome. I'm, I'm glad you um, brought it back to the charity because here's what's so wild. All these amazing things that you've done in your career, you've always, every during the year or in the off season or whenever, you're always taking time out and doing things for the community. I mean, it's like, okay, when the season's over with, you're not on some exotic vacation for four or five months. You're, you're still working out, and then you're always giving back. So let me continue with your story. More of your story goes into when you were an assistant coach in the NBA with the Sacramento Kings. Uh, let's go into the television where you've been a commentator, uh, not only for the NCAA tournament for the women's basketball, but you also commentator for the New Orleans Pelicans and Fox Sports Southwest. So you've ESPN, you've always had your fingers on the pulse of basketball, but you're always giving back at the exact same time. Now let's take it to the next level. I got to take it to the next level. And then we're going to go back to some more charity stuff. Then out of nowhere, I'm minding my own business watching television. And I see you coaching in the big three ice cubes league for all the retired NBA players. And not only were you coaching team power, y'all won the damn 2018 championship. Tell me how that happened. You know, I trust God. Everything that you have talked about isn't just happenstance. God doesn't make mistakes, and he's always put me in places to do to do work, and I'm a grinder at the end of the day. And so I was coaching with the Kings, and we're in the locker room in Denver, and you get the phone call that you don't want to get. you got to come home right now. Mom's in the hospital, and my mom was like 88 or so, and she was down in uh, Florida. I leave my stuff in the locker room. The team takes it back to SAC, and I hop up, you know, all-nighter to Florida. And when I got back in, in talking to Vlade Divac, my uh, my GM, the first thing I, I said to him is, like, you know, Vlade, I, I have to go home. I have to be with my mother. And there's choices in life, you know, fame and, and you know, attention and money and status. And family. And we always say, you know, family, God, family, until it actually happens. And I chose my mom, and I needed the time to be with her. I had no other uh, option. I needed to be with my mom. And I needed the time to be with my mom. And so that's what I did. So I didn't know if I'd ever get to coach again, and I want to coach again. And I'm sitting in my house in 2018. And uh, I'm watching straight out of Compton and the NCAA tournament, the men's tournament, and I get a phone call, and it's from Ice Cube. And he's like, you know, we'd really like to have you, you know, coach in the big three. You know, we're about equality and inclusion and opportunity. And I didn't know if that would ever happen to me again. He goes, Nancy, I know why you left the NBA. I admire you for that. But you need to be coaching, and I want you to do this. And I said, are you checking a box? And he goes, no, I think you could win. And that's really what I wanted to hear. Anybody would want to hear that, you know, it's on the merit of mm-hmm. he thinks I'm, I'm a qualified uh, coach. And when we won and coach of the year and all that stuff, I about cried because I didn't know if I'd get that opportunity or really get an opportunity to go back in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And we're getting ready now for the big three and for me to – coach team power and I have the most remarkable men uh, I, I always tell them you made us and you know, my job was to to set you up for success but you know players determine probability and outcome and I'm really proud of them well let me tell you something I'm looking forward to that but I'm also looking forward to some of the other things you've done like I said the Nancy Lieberman Foundation has done things over the years including the summer camps for kids, you and uh, your son, TJ, you guys have been doing this. You've been doing it. He hadn't been doing it this long, 41 years now. Girls camp, crazy, boys right? camp, all for the kids. And that's coming up again this summer? Yes, our 41st year. And uh, as most of you know, I, I'm there all day, every day. The kids inspire me. I don't come in, say hi, do the celebrity thing and, and leave. I yeah, you're hands-on. A- you are hands-on. Yeah. I love it. I'm there all day. How'd you get How'd you get little... TJ to come back to America? He's always playing basketball in Europe somewhere. 
Well, you know, it's funny as we're doing this uh, interview, I'm literally watching him play um, in uh, Tel Aviv in the playoffs. Wow. I know you're proud. um, So they just won their game, but he loves kids. Mm -hmm. And he's been around this his whole life. And, you know, it's it's his, you know, family responsibility to be involved in, in charity and philanthropy and helping others. And TJ's got a great heart. And he's like the mayor when he's home. He's the mayor of Tel Aviv, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody loves Teach. And the kids go bananas with him. So he's a great role model. I'm so proud um, to be able to work side by side. And then he says to me like two years ago, he goes, well, I think I'm going to need some bigger font on my name on the T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, man, I've been doing this 39 years before you. Right. You're going right, to have to wait. Right. <laughs> and by the way, the uh, the uh, Nancy Lieberman and TJ Klein basketball camps will be uh, in July 12th through the 15th and 26th through the 29th at the Fieldhouse USA in Frisco. But let's also talk about how you raise so much money with your annual Dream Ball, and you've also had the Celebrity Golf Classic. And I think this year... Because you're coming off, we're coming off the year of the pandemic. You're going to combine them, and it's going to be in September. Yeah, we wanted to make. Thank you for mentioning that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it raises a lot of money. I had to. Well, that's what gives us the the money to go out and uh, do what we do. You know, we raise you know about a million and a half or so, maybe a little bit more from those two events. And um, you know, ninety two percent of all the money we raise goes to the programming uh, only eight percent goes to you know you got to run a business a charity is a business yes i got to pay people to, to work here yeah you have to play the staff oh. the staff is so yeah, important I mean, and they're doing it out of the bottom of their heart but they've got to stop what they're doing so you've got to hire them well, we have to because we're doing you know we're doing real stuff for real people and um but with, with um with what we did with dream ball is we knew the optics of having it as we had every February would not play. You know, we don't want to do an event to say we did an event. We're doing an event to make money Mm -hmm. because we need that money to give to the communities to, to change kids lives. We sent 70 high school seniors to college and we track them. We just don't send them to college and say, okay, nice to know you. We stay in touch with them throughout the year internships, um, shadowing first responders, uh, helping them write resumes, trying to, you know, bridge them to some jobs when they graduate. So, you know, this is, uh, this is real stuff. And, um, to have it on nine 11, as you know, I'm a New Yorker. Nine 11 is, uh, a very, very impactful day for me because of, uh, you know, growing up and having been in those world trade towers, you mm-hmm. know, a thousand times. And we want to make sure that, you know, we're we're going to honor first responders who were fantastic from the pandemic. And we're just going to do our thing. That's what we're going to do. We're going to help people. And we've had amazing celebrities come through. We're, we're working right now. I can't really share who we're trying to get. But, you know, I leverage my, my friendships with some of these people. Yes, you do. Let me let me say this. Let me say this real quick. I've been fortunate enough to go to a lot of your dream balls and actually be on a stage with you from time to time. But more importantly, I've got a chance to meet some people that were very interesting, including uh, Winona Judge. She's she's unbelievable. Matter of fact, she was here in Arlington uh, on the weekend, I think Friday or Saturday. And the first thing she did, she said she got on the tour bus and she goes, hi, I'm in Arlington. (laughs) I mean, Winona Judd performed barefoot on your stage. I was so impressed. It was so acoustic. She was so cool. I was like, who would ever thought I'd ever get a chance to meet Winona Judge? Judge is amazing. She's amazing. I just could go on and on. You've had Muhammad Ali there. You've had George Foreman there. You've had Sugar Ray Leonard there. I mean, let alone all these different basketball players. Ice Cube's been there. Billy Crystal. Billy Crystal. Bo Derek. Bo Derek and Toby Keith. Oh, my goodness. You really know how to have a gala, and you raise so much money, and you give so much back. As we wrap this thing up, how can people get in touch, whether they want to donate, partner with you? What's the website? It's org. 
all I'll say is this. Look at what we do. If something hits your heart, whether it's education, whether it's the, 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 the camps, whether it's dream courts, it's community work, it's government, just take a look at what we're doing with kids. If you think that there's something, you know, kind of neat, join us. We need you. Um, we do. And, and I'm hands-on. We get a chance to be friends. And life is short. Let's do something powerful together. Come be my teammate. You'll laugh a lot. We're going to grind a lot. But we're going to change lives. Nancy, it's been a pleasure. I know you're busy later today. The Shop with the Cop event over at North Park Mall with all the kids and all the police officers and our first responders. Thank you so much again for joining us this morning. Thank you, Chris. I love you, my brother. Love you, too. That's the great Nancy Lieberman. I'm Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan. Thanks again for joining us. Tune in next week as we focus on other organizations doing great things in our community right here on Better Living. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t